Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy and this week I am talking to Paul Merson, ex-Arsenal Villa and England footballer turned Soccer Saturday regular. Paul and I are talking about addiction in this episode as he's battled issues for years with drink, drugs and gambling which he considers to be the cruelest of the lot. Paul is currently clean and doing his bit to help others, not least through his new book, Hooked, Addiction and the Long Road to Recovery. It's a stark and at times brutal account of the damage addiction can wreak. And in this episode, we talk about what Paul has learned along that long road to recovery. From learning not to identify with the addictive voice in your head, to learning to sit with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, as well as the importance of opening up and talking about your problems. Now, addiction affects so many people. So if you do know someone who might benefit from listening to this conversation, please do share it with them. If you're new to the show and would like to learn more about addiction, I'd suggest listening to my earlier episode with Tony Adams, founder of the Sporting Chance Clinic. Or I'd recommend my conversation with Dr. Russ Harris, who shares really powerful techniques any of us can use to relate to difficult thoughts and feelings like anxiety or anger in a more skillful and effective way. They are both in the back catalogue along with a plethora of other guests and themes. But first things first, here is Paul Merson and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Paul Merson. Merce, how are you? Uh, good, thank you, Simon. Good, thanks. You've got a bit of a cough, though, haven't you? We better get that out in the open. Yeah, I have. I, I had COVID, so it, it's gone now, but still got that little cough. I don't know if it's a nervous cough, if I'm being honest, as well, sometimes. I think sometimes I cough a little bit more when I'm a little bit, yeah, nervous. Oh, well, look, I wish you a speedy recovery, and we, we know this thing can linger, so... Uh... Thoughts with you, and I know your wife as well. Thank you. Um, now, listen, Paul, you were clearly a yeah. tremendous footballer, England international, loved at every club or nearly every club you've played at, and a Soccer Saturday regular. But I've got something to admit to you. I think you came out of my favourite line in the show's history, okay? <laughs> and it was just a throwaway line, and I probably am going to mangle it or not quite remember it. But once you refer to someone, I think you said... This guy's as cool as the other side of your pillow. Yeah, no, his finishing is as his finishing is as cool as the other side of your pillow. I love that. Yeah, it's true though, isn't it? It's true. You know, you turn over your pillow and it's nice and cold, and it? it's cool. It is so true. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's the, I think the only line that's stuck with me through thick and thin from the show and obviously there have been lots <laughs> that and Charlie's earring obviously <laughs> anyway now um, Paul congratulations on your book Hooked thank you it's a very powerful affecting read I've, my girls are away currently so I've had two days a house to myself and I've just been on the, on the couch and I've read the whole thing cover to cover and I want to ask you, because obviously in terms of the, the 12 steps, that unburdening yourself, is that step four? Yeah, I, w I would say so, yeah. So is there an element of that with this book in terms of getting everything out? Yeah, I mean, as much as you can get out, I just wanted to be honest. It was, it's, as you said, I can understand when you say I read it in two days. It's quite, you know, with me, there's no frills or spills. It's, there's no long words where you'll have to go to a dictionary and go, oh, what does that mean? I mean, it is. I wanted it to be a, a, a read, you know, where not one of them where you put down and you pick back up in a week or two's time, you know, when you're not busy again. I wanted it to be like bang, bang. I, I only wrote it for one person, really, and that was someone out there who's going to pick this book up and get well. Addictions, it's, it's such a bad thing. It's, it's so people think, oh, just stop it. Just stop it. Oh, you're weak. Oh, stop it. Show a bit more willpower. You know, stop diarrhea with willpower. Very, very difficult. I've been all the way, all through my life and career, and my biggest thing was I just thought I was a horrible, horrible person, a horrible person. And it's not a nice feeling when you're when you're you're going out and you're not coming home. You're doing all the money. You're doing all our savings. You're constantly gambling. You've got no time for anybody. And and I did. I just thought, you know, you're a bad person. You're just a, a horrible piece of work. I mean, who's like that? But as I <coughs> as I got older and the more this went on and the more I looked into it, it was like, I'm ill. I've got an illness. I've got an illness that, you know, I understand it now. You know, my gambling was was as natural as you getting up in the morning and cleaning your teeth. And my gambling was like that. It was just constant. It was constant. You know, my drinking, I never had the intentions of going out all night. Never. As soon as I picked up that one drink, I couldn't stop. And it was the same with the gambling. And someone, I'm doing a BBC documentary at the moment, and I was talking to a, a psychologist the other week. He said, your brain is literally wired where... Someone without an addiction, when they're hungry, their brain will tell them that they're hungry. When they're thirsty, their brain will tell you that you're thirsty to have a drink. My brain tells me to have a bet. Hopefully one person doesn't have to go through what I've been through for the last 30, 40 years. As you know, I've spoken to Tony Adams on the podcast before, and he's been 25 years Sable, which is an incredible achievement. That was very recently. 25 years, yeah. How long have you been clean now? I've been sober since January the 6th, nearly three years now. Congratulations. Nearly three years. And gambling, I was I was a year the other day on the 27th of August. Congratulations. Thank you. So every day, I'm not going to tell you it's been easy. It's, no. it's, sometimes it's an absolute nightmare, but some days it gets down to being every every half hour, every 10 minutes, it, it does, it's just, but the good days so much outweigh the bad days, they just, you know, I have my self-respect back now and things like that, which are priceless. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, when it comes to addiction, alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever form they come, a lot of people don't come out of it, do they? And I was speaking to a, a, a good friend of mine who actually, he went into rehab at the age of about 20, 21, spent a, a year and a half, so... I was speaking to him ahead of our chat just to get a bit of an insight into he's been going to meetings ever since, you know, and he said, yeah, well, people like Paul, people like Tony, they're the lucky ones. There are a lot of people. This leads directly to the grave. Exactly. Of course. My last drink, my last bet weren't, weren't my worst. They weren't my worst. It weren't like my drinking. I mean, I was coming home from the British Legion on a Sunday evening. I, you know, it wasn't like I'd been out two days drinking or anything. And I just thought, I've had enough. You get to the stage where I was fed up with feeling shit all the time. And mind my language, sorry, but it's hard work to get clean. It is. It's not. I'm not going to tell anybody it was. It's easy, because as I say, the most natural thing to do for an addict is like what it is for someone to clean their teeth. It just. It. You don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. It becomes the absolute norm of your life, and that's why it is so hard. It is so hard, but. If you understand that you have an illness, it does help. It does help. When you don't know you've got an illness and 
you just think you're a bad person, the more you think you're a bad person, what's the best thing to do? You know what, well, I have another drink or another bet or another drug and that'll take me out the way I feel for so long. And then after that, when I come off, off it again and my, my count's down to zero, you know, the pub's shut or I've had too much to drink, then I start feeling bad again. Oh, you horrible person. Oh, how bad can you be? Oh, you know what I do? Have a drink, have a bet. That'll take me away from the way I feel again. And it's just a complete and utter circle. And that's all it is. And <coughs> it's only until you realise that you've got an illness and a compulsion that you can get help that you, you sort of... I'm a lot more... What's the name of myself now, Simon? A lot more not so harsh on myself. Not so harsh on myself at all. Paul, I want to go back a little bit, actually, because as you talk about in the book what you were like as a child... Little Paul was clearly a very sensitive lad. You were dyslexic, you had separation anxiety. So before the overt addictions came along, how would you summarise what you were like? Yeah, very insecure. Bit of a loner. Didn't like change. Yeah, very insecure, very... You know, even when... I got when I was the age of 14, 15, I went out with a girl for a month. I didn't even kiss her. I was too scared too scared I thought if I go and kiss her and she said no I mean how am I going to feel everything was half empty it was never half full and that's when I found gambling and drink that took me completely and utterly away from that you know I become the the clown the the jester the have a laugh a joke confident you know all them kind and that's what it done for me in a bad way in a way instead of you know thinking you know that's the way I am and try and cope with them sort of situations, when I found drink, gambling and drugs, they completely took me away from that. Completely and utterly took me away from that feeling. I mean, I struggle with palpitations very badly. Very badly. I mean, I'd play on a football pitch, my heart would pump 100 mile an hour, and I'd have to come off because I was so nervous. <coughs> my mum took me to the hospital, the doctors, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Said he keeps on getting palpitations, he's getting nervous while he's playing football, and he has to come off. And the doctor went, Don't play. Simple as that, just said, Don't play. Don't play. And I, as time went on, I, I learned to cope with it. I learned to cope with, you know, it's just a, it's a breathing thing. Calm your breathing down. I know I'm not going to die. And the fear sort of went away from that. But that was scary as a kid, 100%. You know, them, them kind of things. And, you know, in the end, I don't know, you know, I think I think finding drink and gambling helped me play football. I know that might sound a bit silly, but, you know, it took away my nerves and everything. You know, I went out on a pitch and I had so many problems off the pitch that when I went on the pitch, I just I just I just relaxed and played football, just relaxed and played. And and for, you know, for 90 minutes, nothing can happen to me for 90 minutes. I can't get in trouble. My head's free. I'm doing something I, I love and I still love today. I mean, I still try and play now if I can. So you were very sensitive, clearly, as a youngster. You felt things very strongly. So yeah. fear, anxiety, you had those palpitations. So it's understandable that you might want to turn away from uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, which is what a lot of us do to various degrees. Yeah. I wanted to ask, as a family, when you were growing up, was it a family that would uh, discuss thoughts and feelings or were things, to some degree, bottled up? Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. No, we didn't, but I don't know a family that does. I might be wrong, but I don't know anybody who sits around the table and says, how do you feel today? I'm 53, I was brought up in the 70s, 80s. No, we didn't sit around the table and everybody asked everybody how they felt, no. 100%. Just a, a quick add-on. I've said this a few times recently. So I spoke to Clark Carlisle and he introduced me to a game that we now play in our family. As you know, I've got a, we've got a six-year-old. Yeah. And last thing at night, we play a game where it's one thing that made you happy, sad, worried, excited, and funny. And we all have to do it. So I'll share what made me worried and excited. Our little girl will, and so will my wife. And I'll tell you what, we've only been doing it about three, four months. The change in her has been night and day. So th this need to start talking about 
thoughts and feelings. And obviously, you know, sat around a dinner table, you can't just shoehorn it in, can you? But the way we found a way to do it, honestly, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I like that. Because it normalizes thoughts and feelings for children, which when you were a lad, right, feeling those palpitations, feeling that anxiety, feeling the fear. Yeah. I imagine you thought, I'm the only one feeling these things. No one else feels this. I'm alone, therefore I'm different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you always feel that you're different. Yeah, you always... You feel you you know it's the same in the addiction. You only, you think you're the only one going through it. You know I'm the only one losing all my money all the time. No one else is. I mean, why is it always me? Why is it all? You know why am I going to the pub telling my wife I'll be home and don't come home? You know it's only me, but it ain't just me. You know, and that's why this addiction wants you on your own. It wants you on your own. It doesn't want you talking to people. It don't want you. It only wants you on your own. So when you're on... Because if I'm around people who are going to talk and I talk, you know, it takes the power out of it. And that that's the thing. But I do like what you just said then. I, I do like that. I, you know, I, I, we we do talk about our feelings in our... You know, not so much with the kids, but me and my wife, like, she'll say, how are you today? And she, she sort of... She recognises if I'm falling away into a, into a bad place again. Yeah. I'd really recommend giving it a whirl with the yeah. kids. Honestly, we've had old traumas from two years ago come up. Honestly, she she's actually just uh, gone on a flight and said to my wife, oh, I've got a tummy ache and I think it's because I'm nervous, which speaks volumes, right? Oh, nice. And that's what you do in meetings, isn't it? You share, you open up, you talk about exactly these things. That's the strength of it. 100%. You And even some of the things are not even massive do you know what i mean they're like but yeah if you don't talk about them it grows and grows and grows and then all of a sudden it becomes a major problem when if i if i if, if someone rings me and i don't pick the phone up i know i'm struggling i know i'm struggling i know my addiction's trying to say you know what don't bother talking to them what they're going to talk about today what are they going to talk about yeah they're just going to go on and and that would that's my addiction that's not me that's my addiction you know, someone said to me once before, and it, it's always stuck in my mind, your addiction's out there doing press-ups. It's waiting. Because this is never going away. This is just a, just keeping it a day at a time. And today, I can't do what I used to do. And that's all. If so, if you turn around to me, Simon, and said, you know what, you're never allowed to take another drink or another bet for the rest of your life, I, I couldn't do it. I, I, I sit here today with my hand on my heart, and I say, I can't do that. I cannot do that. It's impossible to do that. But I get up in the morning and I say, I won't do that today. I can do that. I can get through the day. And that's the only way I can do it. Yeah. You wrote that down, which I think is so lovely. You know, forever is a long time. Today is manageable. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I've, I've even broke mine down into, into 10 minutes and half hours. Get through the next half hour. And then after that, it sort of goes. But it literally gets to that sort of situation sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's not always a bed of roses. Of course it's not it's it, it's it's an addiction and it's 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 in me it's been in me for the last you know i've i've gambled like a maniac for the last 36 years or so you know like a maniac you know lost everything and i i said in the book and it's weird because with the with the drugs with the cocaine i had a mad year of drugs mad year and i know the devastation it done i knew the devastation i knew the the paranoia that wanted to kill myself the all that kind of stuff. And that seems to be plugged in my brain. It seems to be plugged in. It seems, you know, I've been out before and people said, you want to lie? And, and I know it's bad. I know it's not good for me. I know. And it's plugged in. I feel with the drink, it's plugged in as well. I, you know, I know if I go out, I don't come home. I can't stop drinking when I start. I don't even like drinking. You know, I don't go in. The, I didn't go in the pub and put down a pint of lager and go, ah, that's lovely. I just drunk to take me out the way I felt. And gambling, it doesn't seem why. It doesn't seem that it's plugged in still today. It still feels like it's on a, it's, it's on a short circuit. You know, for all the stuff I've done, all the money I've lost, the knowing that you cannot win, it's impossible for me to win as a compulsive gambler. It still feels on a, still feels, I'm trying to explain, on like a, on a circuit like f flickering. It's not plugged in, if you know what I mean. And I loved it. I loved it. Absolutely. I loved it. But I didn't love drinking. I didn't love drinking. You know, I didn't get to a stage of drinking and think, oh, 
oh, it's lovely. I can't, you know, I just drunk for the sake of it. I mean, even when I did come home, my wife would go, you have a laugh? And I'd go, no. And I couldn't remember the last time I had a laugh, really. It was just literally going to the pub, drink, 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 drink. And then when you're gambling at the same time, I don't know if there's a worse a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. So the voice in your mind, the voice of that addiction, ultimately, it's not who you are, is it? There's you and there is the voice. You're aware of that voice. That isn't who you are. And do you think understanding that is an important part of recovery? I think that is the most important thing. And that's, <laughs> and that's why writing the book, was, that was exactly the reason for that one person. You know, I understand now. I've been around treatment for 20 odd years. But now I understand I have an illness and, and that voice in my mind, I know that's my addiction. I know that's my addiction. And I have the tools today. I mean, it's as simple as that. I have the tools. I do the meetings. I ring people up. I talk a lot. And I'm not selfish anymore. You know, it's a selfish thing, this addiction. You don't care about anything or anybody by yourself. It's all you worry about. Now I <coughs> I ring people. There's a lad on Instagram who who's trying to beat this, who every, you know, that I, I text every now and then, see how he is just to check in. I've never talked to him in my life, never met him in my life. But I just keep on checking in. Are you all right, Seb? He'll come back and he'll go, you know, no, I, I haven't been good but I'm all right again now. And I go, well done. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. Because I know how hard it is to stop this, but I care about people. Because I'm not a bad person, as I say, but when this addiction gets into me and I start getting active and I, I'm, <coughs> I'm flying along in the addiction, I don't care for anything. I don't care. As long as I get a bet or a drink, you know, and I'm away, I, you know, and it's a, hor it's a horrible thing because... I'm as far away from that person as you could be. The day I leave Sky, the one thing I pride myself on is not there would not be one person at Sky of all the years I've been there will turn around and go, God, what a horrible person he was. Do you know what I mean? They'll go, God, what a nice person. He was kind, always that tight. And I've, I've, been, I've been to work with the world on my shoulders, the world, but I'll always be polite and kind. Always, always. Just to go back to that voice in your mind, the voice isn't going to stop, is it? But it's learning to not identify with your mind and learning that that isn't who you are. And if you can have that little bit of separation, then that's a really powerful and important step. Yeah, I mean, the longer you you stay sober or bet-free or drug-free, the weaker the voice becomes because you're changing your thought thought mechanism of your brain my brain has only thought one thing for so 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 long that i need to bet or i need to drink it's wired that way and it has been for the last 36 or so years so the the, the messages that you get in your brain like i'm doing a documentary at the moment as well about the brain and, and addictions and um, how the brain works addictive people something in their brain goes to the back and it, it doesn't come forward so we don't understand as much as a normal person does. And I say normal, I mean, what is normal? I mean, but it, it becomes, the longer you're away from it, the weaker the voice is, the more you understand it, the more tools you get. But it's getting through that first two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks maybe, that first two months, because it's, it's the most natural thing for someone to do, is go and have a bet. I've had an argument at home, I'm not happy at work, or I'm, Something's upset me. My team's just like, have a bet. Have a bet. Take me away from how I feel. I do not want to sit with my feelings. That is it. I've never sat with my feelings. Every time, my life, from the age of 16, or, you know, we can even go back further, as you say, with insecurities. It's always been a roller coaster. It's always been up or down. There's no... My life just now is just becoming... It's just trying to become flat or it might be a little bit bumpy but it's been like a massive roller coaster so I'm up high I'm scoring goals I'm playing in front of 40,000 people we're winning football matches or bang we lose bang you're low it's like gambling there's no you know drink and drugs you have a you take drink take drugs you have the come down the come downs it's slower gambling I've never known anything like it in my life you could be as high as a kite flying along winning Everything's great, you're happy, bang, and poof, gone. Everything's gone. It's just gone in 10 seconds. 
and from being there you're as low as you could as you could possibly think you could be and that's where it's dangerous and, that, and at least one or two people are killing themselves each day through gambling ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. One thing that you wrote about uh, in terms of your stint in therapy, and you obviously had several, but one occasion, on one occasion, one of the therapists played the role of your addictive voice. Can you just tell me what that was like and how impactful that was for you? The therapist sat there as my addiction. And it was, it was scary. He was talking, he was going, I'm your addiction, I've been waiting for you. I will kill you. By the end of this, I will kill you. You keep on coming back to me and I will kill you. I will keep on eating away, waiting and waiting and waiting for you to come back again. And when you come back, I will have you. I will ruin your family. I will ruin everything in your life. And that's how he was talking. It was scary. When I'm talking there like that, they hit, the airs on my arms are coming up. I can hear it now, like how he was, how he was sitting there as well in a like a ripped shirt, and like he was like waiting. It was, it, you know, it was like, yeah, I, I will ruin everything. I will ruin you. I will, I will kill you by the end of this. So to have it taken out of your own head, out of your mind, the voice in your head, and personified in front of you, that was really shocking to to go through that experience. Yeah, really shocking because you always you always say, "Oh, you hear you hear your addiction talking to you, and it's on your shoulder." Do you know what I mean? Like I'll get days when you know, as I said about an advert on the telly, and I'll go evens, Man United, and you go, "Oh, evens." Do you know what I mean? It's like, "Whoa, where's that come from?" And that's my addiction. But when it's like someone in front of you and they're making out that they're the addiction and talking to you, like you can see the addiction, was pretty scary. Like, because the addiction that we hear is a not is the nice addiction, you know. Go back, go, it'll be all right this time. You, you'll be all right this time. Yeah, it won't be that bad. You'll be, you'll, if you start drinking, you'll come back, you know. And, and you, you, if you start betting, you ain't going to bet on everything. You just bet on the stuff you know, and that's your nice addiction. But he was like the addiction, like you know, like the addiction of you're not listening to it, so it's gone the other way now. It's gone the other way, and I'm going. I'm going I'm waiting for you. I'm, I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to ruin everything. About, and it was like, it was scary. I mean, I wish I could tape, you know, you could have taped it because it's like a lot of things in life and it? it's like you hear it and it's bad. And a while after you're back into life, you're back into society and it's 100 mile an hour and you forget. I was in Bangkok a, long, a while back and I went to this place and they had an orphanage of blind kids singing songs. And... There were some big, big blokes there, you know, tattoos like, like you wouldn't want to mess with. And there wasn't a clear eye in the in the in the place. I mean, everybody was like blown away. And 
and you, you sit there and you go, I never moan again. I never moan again. You know how fortunate you are. But a month or two months down the line and you're caught in society again, it's 100 mile an hour, you forget. Do you know what I mean? And it's hard. Sometimes, you know, I have to draw myself back to that and think, wow, look at, look at that, how fortunate I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of that voice, Paul, so to have it put in such stark terms, but as you mentioned, the voice in our head, it's a shapeshifter. So it does show up as this nicey-nicey. How do you deal with that voice then when you hear that now? You recognise it and spot it? I can recognise it. As you say, it's that nice voice. It's like when it says, go on, you can have a drink. I know I can't. I've accepted, you know, that today... I can't have a drink. If I start drinking today, I can't tell you when I'm going to stop. And that's why I don't drink, because I don't know when I'm going to stop. And with gambling, when I gamble, I know there's only one outcome, and that's zero. Yeah. In terms of going into treatment, you had several stints, but something you wrote about, which I thought was very important, was the difference between going under duress, maybe a club saying, you've got to go, maybe a partner saying, you have to go, but then the one that was different for you was you you realising, no, I'm doing this for me. So for change to happen, it has to come from the addict themselves. A hundred percent. I mean, when you're pushed in and you're told you've got to go or you lose your job or, you know, you've got to go in, you're going in for other people. So you're not, you're not all in. There's always something at the back of your mind is like, I'm going back anyway. I'll come in, but I will in the long run. I'll go back. With with my situation this time, it was me. You know, I went in for me. You know, I'd had enough. Paul can't go through this anymore. Then everything else becomes brighter. Like my home life becomes happier. Our marriage becomes happier. The kids are happier. You know, it all comes together. If I do it for my wife and we have an argument, my first thought's fuck it. I'm only doing it for you. First thing I'm going to do is have a drink or a bet. It's the first thing I'm going to do. But because it's for me, it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we had an argument. That's what happens. People have arguments, but I'm not drinking. That's not the change. That's what would have happened before. You know, I'm doing this for you. You know, how dare you? You know, you're shouting at me and I'm, 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 I'm sacrificing not having a drink or a bet forever. So that's where it's more important. I think when it's you, you surrender. Yeah, so that surrender and responsibility is key. I think surrender's the biggest word out of it all. Surrender. I'm not getting the money back. The money's gone. You're not getting it back. You're not getting the time back. But you can make the most of time now. You know, and I think that's where it's priceless. The big word for me is is surrender. Surrender that I'm a, like, I have a gambling disorder or compulsive gambler. And I, I like what someone said to me the other day. I met a couple of the parents and a wife of a husband who committed suicide through gambling. And I kept on saying to one of the ladies whose son committed suicide through gambling, and I was going, you know, with me being a compulsive gambler, and she kept on stopping me every time I said it. And she kept on saying, no, you've got a gambling disorder. When you say you're a compulsive gambler, you're saying that you've, you were born with that. It become that. You know, and I found it quite interesting. Do you know what I mean? I found it quite interesting. You know, these bookmakers, these companies, they, they make you feel that it's your fault, that they, that they keep on letting you bet and bet and bet, and, it's, it's, and you become that. Bad per you feel that you're the bad person when when they know you're ill and they're making you ill iller. I mean that's that's a big thing. When these companies know that you're not well, it's like having a nut allergy and just keep on giving people nuts all the time. There's only one outcome. In focusing in on the gambling, which you describe as the cruelest of the addictions, and, and when you went public with various addictions you've had, say say for example, booze, the brief stint you have with drugs as well. But when it came to gambling, it was it was not taken hugely seriously. It was almost like, well, everyone does that. And so what do you make of the relationship that, or the way that gambling is seen by, for example, the football community now? I think by society itself. When I say I'm an alcoholic, people are like, he's not done well. You know, people can't go, wow, you, what, you've gone that long without a drink. Because along the way, in people's lives, they would have been drunk once in their life. And they can relate to... Wow, you imagine if that took me over like that and I was drinking all the time like I was that night when I got drunk, even if it was 10, 15 years ago. They can relate to it. People can't relate to betting. There's people, there's millions of people that wouldn't be able to write a bet out or even know what to do or would go, I'd never give the bookies my money. 
you know, everybody, I hate to say it, it's a mugs game. It's, you know, it's not a mugs game, it's an illness this is. You know what I mean? It's not like I did it on purpose. And that's why I think it's the cruelest and it's easily hidden. You know, you will... And that's the thing with football clubs. And at the time with a football club is like... If he gambles, what difference is that going to make? It ain't going to make him fat or he's going to be slow, is it? You know, but if he's drinking and taking drugs, he ain't going to be able to perform to the highest level. You know, and that's the way people would have looked at it at the time. You know, literally, it was like brushed away. I won the league in 1991. It's like the equivalent of the Premier League. They only changed the name. It was the league. Same teams. Same league. You know, and I'm sitting at home after winning that with no carpet in my house because I choose to gamble instead of get carpet. Now, is that greedy? Because that ain't greedy, is it? That's an illness. Because how could you be greedy? Because you can buy the carpet. What are you looking to put down? Silk or cashmere? Do you know what I mean? I'm not betting to have cash me. I'm betting because I'm ill and I want to have a bet. The compulsion's taken over. And I think that sums it up as well. Is You know, it's not greed. It's, a, it's an illness and a compulsion to gamble. Yeah. This is, I think, the interesting thing when you describe it in very clear terms. It was never about the outcome or the money. You wanted to draw out the process of, oh, am I going to win? Or how's this going to go? So the thrill of chasing the gambling, it wasn't it? It was that process, the drawing it out. So the dopamine firing, the end result was, was irrelevant. No, the end result, well, I'll do it again after. I'll do it again after. So it was a constant, you know, as I've said before, my, my life was like a roller coaster. It was like, you know, it was either so high up in the air that you couldn't get any higher <coughs> or so low, it was as low as... There's not much more below. You know, it was never in between. You know, I said before, it's like you're playing in front of 40,000 people. You scored a goal. Everything's great. You come off the pitch and it's like, what am I doing now? My brain needs that that buzz. It needs it. I chose to drink and gamble and take drugs. You know, a lot of people whose brain is... And I'm going to go wide differently. I'm going to go wide differently. You know, I don't know if that's a big, big statement or what, but I personally think my brain is wired differently. I do. I think there's something in my brain that's either missing or not connected the right way that makes me chase that, you know, where you're so high <coughs> and then you're so low. And as I said the other, about a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I was sitting indoors and I just, my wife could see, she could see triggers now or she could see if I'm low or thing. And she went, what's wrong? And I just went, it's boring, isn't it? She went, what do you mean? I said, well, it's just boring. We're, we're like, I'm, 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 I'm just going along you know which everybody's going along that that is it that is life everybody's going along you get up in the morning get ready, kids ready for school you take them to school you do stuff in the day you go and pick them up you do their dinner you do their stories you put them a bed and you start again the next day that's life for 36 years i didn't have that my life was either up high or down low and in between i was doing them jobs but with the buzz of everything going on, you know, like I've got a bet going on, I'm going out drinking after this, or I know when the kids go to bed, I can open a couple of bottles of wine. You know, I always had that in the back of my mind. And then she just said, well, is it better than when you was really low? You know, like, don't forget about when you're buzzing and you've got all your bets going and all that. Was it better than when you were down there? And I went, much better. And she went, well, that tells you everything then, doesn't it? So it's, it's about getting comfortable in that middle ground. And getting comfortable, yeah, in something that, you know, that that people have been doing so normally for so long. That is life. You know, we go along. It's what you do with the good moments and in the moments that you're living in that you make sure you enjoy their moments and, and their memories. We go along and, you know, and we're always looking for that. Oh, if we had a big house, we'd be all right. Or if we had a brand new car, you know, it'd be better. Or, you know, and, and it's nothing to do with that because... You know, I've learned you can go on all the best holidays in the world or you can move football clubs for big money and get loads of wages. You know, the one thing I realised, you had to take my head with me. <laughs> you know, my head didn't stay here and I went and enjoyed myself. I still had to take my head with me. And I think that's, you know, I mean, it's easy to say now. and you, you, We've heard it a million times. If we all knew now what we knew when we was 22, wow. Yeah. What came to my mind was a quote, a French philosopher called Pascal, who said, uh, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. 
we are used to stimulation, aren't we? And when you were at the height of your addiction, it was so, so enhanced and so extreme. But th- that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? It's getting used to being on that middle rung. Are you okay with just being normal, as it were? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Some days I have days where, you know, I can hear my addiction go, it could be better. But I know it could be a hundred times worse. A hundred times worse. And I, I'm quite happy where I am. I, I like I like my life today. You know, as I said, it was flustered. But I it's sitting with feelings. I've never you, you know, that's the, that what that man said is so spot on. It's being able to sit with your feelings and feeling your feelings. But I can sit with it now. Like when I I met these people, the gamblers with lives people, the parents and a, a wife of a, an husband who took took his own life before i met him i met, went to the place to meet him i knew it was going to bring back memories because i've tried to kill myself but how do you say to someone you can't say to someone i tried to kill myself but i didn't when you're talking to people whose families did and i, I felt nervous i was getting anxiety i couldn't breathe i was getting back to my palpitations of <coughs> of when when i was a kid playing football now the, the most natural thing for me to do there is to have a drink or gamble that was the most natural thing for me to ever do when I was getting them feelings. And I had to ring up my sponsor, my, a friend of mine in GA. I said, I, I don't feel, I feel like this. And, I'm, and he just said, don't worry, just relax. Just, just go into the, the talk. And if you need to stop, you need to stop. But, you know, just, just calm down. It's just a feeling. And when he says that to me, then I can sit with it. But someone has to tell me. Yeah, that's the key, I think, for so many people, particularly now when you see how uh, smartphones and social media, which use a similar uh, dopamine system to gambling in terms of likes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. It's a similar similar system. And so we are always, we can always be distracted now, but our ability to sit with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and allow them to be there and not distract ourselves or run to, to food or drink or drugs or gambling, that is the key. 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, and you're spot on about, about the Instagram and the Twitter and all that. I go on Instagram and, I, you know, I'm recently with the Ronaldo situation and <coughs> people are jumping on me and they're, they're, wow, you know, Ronaldo got two goals, you're this. And, and it's get, it was getting on top. I, I, come off, I, I took it off my phone last night, yesterday afternoon. No, yesterday morning, so I deleted it off my phone. It was getting to me. And I thought, no, I can't, you know. And some of the people, like that lady... Instagram me and she and she put in Sky Sports as well so she hashtagged I don't know how it works how you put but she sent it to Sky Sports News and to me right and said comment comment on this at Sky Sports News at Paul Merson whatever dot com or at whatever it is uh, why does Paul Merson keep on why is why why are you employing someone who or why is one of your things why is he saying Sanchez instead of Sancho Question mark, question mark. Like going after me. Really like to say to Sky, why are you employing him? Now, things like that I have to come off because I just text the lady back and I just said, you must be an amazing person to never ever make a mistake in your life. But when someone puts themselves out like to sabotage my job for someone who's dyslexic, who just made a mistake of putting, you know, not saying the O instead of the Z on telly when you're in, in the moment was like mind-blowing to me. It was like mind-blowing. I bet. Just in terms of, of gambling and the relationship with sport, you still see the adverts pop up during ad breaks. And you know they'll have that line, won't they? Please gamble responsibly. Do you see a time when we'll look back on gambling adverts and everything like that, seeing as it can take lives, it nearly took yours, and we'll look back at the relationship between sport and gambling and part of football as something we'll be like, God, why did we ever do that? I hope so. I hope so. I think it's important. We don't have cigarette adverts anymore. Mm. You know, you can't smoke yourself to death in 20 minutes. You could do more damage in 20 minutes of gambling than what you would do smoking in 20 minutes. Gamble responsibly. Stop when the fun stops. No one's betting. Compulsive or gamblers with disorder or compulsive gamblers, they're not betting for the fun. They're betting because they're not well and they bet. They just want to keep on betting. It's a thing in their head, you know. And then the other one I don't like that needs to be changed. And if they're going to start changing stuff, set yourself limits. No, you set the limits. You set the limits. Don't let them, don't let, don't let the gambler set the limit. There's, there's no limit. The only limit's zero. That's the only limit there is. 
is zero. That is the only limit. And they throw, they throw it's, it's clever, it's psychological, and it's, they're playing with your mind. They're throwing it back onto the gambler. No, you help the gambler. Don't let them try and help themselves because you can't help yourself until it's all gone and it's too late sometimes. You know, I know people, people, people don't understand gambling will go. You know, I see footballers on the gambling adverts. I see football, I think, come on, you're multi-millionaires, do you? Do you need to? Do you need to, really? Come on. You know, come on. I think you've got to, you know, throw in gamble responsible, set your limits. No, you set the limits. You change it around. They know who's a compulsive gambler, who's got a gambling problem and who hasn't. Yeah. Okay, last few things, Paul. As you said earlier, addiction wants to get you on your own. It thrives on you being on your own. And I know you talk about the meetings you go to, AA, GA meetings. They're a mutual preservation society. And you say this, this lovely bit that stuck with me where there's a guy you speak to every day, even if it's just a tech, every single day you, you touch in and having that connection. So connection's absolutely key. But you also, in the same point, talk about how these days, texting it's not the same as a call and i've noticed with myself you know you can almost feel if you're ringing someone you're intruding yet back in the day that was how we communicated you would just ring someone off the cuff and i think we miss that connection don't we yeah 100 percent. before you had to ring didn't you now you can text you you can say something on a text that if you said it yourself it's completely different feeling it is, I try not to text, I try to ring, I do ring, I, I, I find myself, if I text, it's, it's not, <coughs> it's not a true feeling, you know, I don't think you get across how, how you feel or what's going on in your life by a text. You know, I think as time goes on with getting well in addictions, I think the most important thing is talking. It just takes the power out of everything. It does, because the more you let things, and resentments are, Things that, that they'll kill you, resentments. Yeah, yeah you've got you. to let them go, right? You've got to let go. Of course, you've got to let go of everything. I mean, you know, I don't hate anybody, not one person. And I get a lot of hatred, you know, a lot of hatred. You know, sometimes, I'll, you know, I'll say something on Sky. Some of the stuff you get back is just, it's just mind-blowing. I mean, mind-blowing. But, you know, some days I, I do think, oh, my God. Oh, my God, that person thinks I'm this, this and this. And other times I think, you know what, he's a keyboard warrior. He's not going to say it in Marks and Spencer's. Yeah, it's, it's not real life, is it? And then speaking about mobile phone quite quickly, and uh, like I said, I think the episode I did with Cal Newport and the way they uh, use smartphones and social media actually use the tools of gambling in keeping people hooked on on social media through likes and all that stuff, That that's very well worth it. So the irony is not lost on me when I'm about to talk about your screensaver it's called Two Golden Days. This is a reminder for you about letting go of the past and also not, not getting lost in the future. And I'll read it and it goes, there are two golden days about which I never worry, yesterday and tomorrow. Therefore, that leaves me only today. I will journey just one day at a time. And that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Would that be your advice to anyone listening now struggling? I can't turn back the past. I can't, whatever happened yesterday, I can't do anything about it. And why worry about it? And then tomorrow, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I think the one thing that, that, that joins everybody together, if you're the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world, we get today. That's all we get. We get today. It's, it's one of the hardest things in the world is to live in the moment, live in the day. How many people worry about what they did yesterday and what they're going to do tomorrow? And today just literally passes them by. Literally passes them by. It, it becomes a norm, doesn't it? Oh, you know, what am I? Oh, what am I doing next week? Or what am I doing? Don't worry. You know, it's it's we get today. You know, and that is it. There we go. Anyway, listen, Paul. Uh, I just want to say it's been a real pleasure. And just finally, if there is someone struggling, perhaps let's say with gambling right now, who's listening to this, what advice would you have them? What short bit of advice would you have for them? You're not a bad person. You're not a bad person. You're, you're, you're an ill person and you need to get help. You need to get help. You're not a bad person trying to get good. You're, you're an ill person who needs to get well. You have a compulsion that you're never going to win. We're not bad people. We're, we're ill. We're not well. Paul Merson, it's, like I say, it's been a real pleasure. I think that's uh, fantastic advice. 
uh, very wise and I really appreciate you sharing it and I have loved chatting to you. So thanks very much indeed for coming on. Thanks for having me, Simon. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode with Paul Merson. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Message me on social media at Simon Mundy or via my website, simonmundy.com. If you've been affected by this episode, there are several organisations that can help with all forms of addiction. Alcoholics Anonymous and their offshoots like Gamblers Anonymous are great starting points. And please do share this episode with anyone who might benefit from hearing Paul's story and the lessons he's learned. Just a quick reminder about this week's newsletter, Monday on a Monday, which explores one way of answering the age-old question, who are you? We also discuss how to get out of your own way. That's at simonmundy.com. And finally, if you could leave a kind rating and review for this podcast, it would be hugely appreciated. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.